Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 133 in Edmonton. Final half hour here, the Thursday edition of Oilers Now. Heading down to Florida momentarily. We're going to re-engage with the other half of the broadcast team on duty this week. Cam Moon set to join the show. I think he's trying to call. He was on the line. We'll get it figured out. Cam's our headliner today. Brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Might just be the best you've ever tasted. Search for W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Uh, keep the texts coming. 780-496-0063 is our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. And somehow, I guess, if you don't point the finger directly at one player, you become an apologist for the entire franchise. That's quite the leap. And I would like to think there's bigger things in the world today that we could worry about. But nevertheless, each to their own. Cam Moon's got to be rolling in the sunshine right now. Mooner House, Florida. It's warm. I'll bet. <laughs> like 30 I, I, degrees I, I Celsius feel, by 9 yeah, a.m. kind of warm? Yeah, yeah, I feel guilty even saying it. Because yeah. everybody listening right now is like, shut uh, <laughs> nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, yeah it, it's pleasant. Let's leave it at that. Sure. You're not poolside, though, right? You're not teasing us too much. You're still in the hotel room no. right now. No. Yeah, that's, that's right. Perfect. Yes. 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 Uh, so, you know what? A tough loss because it looked like the team was in it really the whole way. Even when they were down, you know, you. You got the sense that they weren't out of it because Connor was doing Connor's thing. He's been on a roll lately, but the goaltending is is a detriment, and it's been a hindrance to the success it was last night. That seems to be the popular opinion among Oilers country. But you know, from your standpoint, what are you seeing up there in uh, in Edmonton losing a one what should have been a one goal game to the Cup champs? Well, on the positive side, uh, I thought the team played well, like you said. You know, start to finish. The, I thought the compete level was high. Uh, they did give up some, some opportunities that uh, you maybe you wouldn't like to see, but you are playing one of the best teams in the NHL, so you have to expect that you're going to bleed a few chances. But in that first period in particular, uh, the Oilers had the better, well, they had the better of the opportunities throughout the game, but most certainly in the first. So they give up that first goal, which I've watched it about five times now, and I have to chalk. I have to chalk that up to bad luck. It goes off of Devin Shorin. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. It's a, it's a shot that you know Smith handles. Hits Shore goes in. That's bad luck. They battle back. They get it to uh, to one one on a great goal by McDavid. Uh, just a like that was one outstanding. Uh, 
shot by him for yeah. sure. So great. But the one that was it felt like it let the air out of the balloon a little bit was the late goal by Stamkos, uh, with just you know fourteen and fourteen seconds and change left in that first period. Mm-hmm. A play that. It didn't seem overly dangerous. And what I mean by that is it wasn't right in the slot. The shot was from about the dot. Uh, the player that was in front of the net was tied up. So to me, Stamkos only had one option at that point. His only option was to put it on net. He could have tried to hold on to it, but likely would have been checked. He could have tried to make a play in front of the net, but I think it was incredibly unlikely that the player in front of the net could have done much because he was covered. So his only play was to was to throw it on goal, and unfortunately it goes upstairs short side. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Smith was in a in a reverse VH up against the post, right up against the uh, goal line. So there was some room to be had there, and a guy like Steven Stamkos who scores incredibly well. Well, that's what he did. So I thought that was a bit of a tough goal to give up. Uh, Oilers battle in the in the second, the one by Perry, and I heard Louis on earlier. Uh, he tips that shot from uh, Sergachev. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't blame Mike Smith on that. that first of all, Sergachev was wide open. Oh, yeah, he walked in yeah. untouched. Yeah. And he drills it, and it goes off a stick and upstairs. So I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, the the Braden Point goal, I, and I've watched that one a few times, too. It, it was a it was a decent opportunity, but it, it seemed to go under him. So that's, you know, is going to unnerve Fans, I'm sure. Uh, as you would know, you're the one reading the text line right now, so <laughs> you, you know better than anybody. But yeah, um, so I understand. I understand uh, the frustration level of fans because the team played well. Uh, but now, if you're the coaches and the players, I mean, your focus right now is what do they have to do on Saturday afternoon to get a win against the Florida Panthers? Yes, I'm pretty sure uh, Miko Koskin will stand home. So it's going to start there. Nico Koskin has to play well. And if the team can bring a certain the same level of, uh, I, I wouldn't, I would say, yeah, I would say the execution level was pretty good. The Oilers, let's be honest, they were uh, probably an inch off, an inch away from tying the goal on the, or tying the game on the one timer by dry side late. Uh, so, like, that's how close it was. That's the difference between, you know, going to overtime or not. Um, but if they can bring that Saturday afternoon against Florida and Miko has himself a good start, then, and and I know Oilers fans are looking at the the save percentage of the two goaltenders and you'd like it to be better. I get that. I understand. But right now, as far as the coaches go, as far as the team goes, all they're worried about is Saturday. And they just need uh, they need a good start between the pipes, but they need everybody else too. Because again, Florida is one of the better teams. This is a real gauntlet this team has to run going through Tampa, Florida, Carolina. But it's good for you. It gives you an idea of what you got. Yeah, exactly. And I know they weren't really trying to overtly say this is a measuring stick trip, but you mm-hmm. know, I think that it is. And I think that they probably proved to themselves that they can hang with the best teams in the NHL. 
Frustrating bounces to see go in, Cam, because there's been a lot of them over the, the last probably 10, 12 games at least, and then you can rewind it even further than that if you want to look past Smith. But the first period save percentage, you know, it's it's not helping anything at all that this team frequently has to play from behind. And while you can't blame it on the goaltender, there's point-blank looks out there, and, and yeah. you need to be tying up sticks in front of the net. Edmonton has been too weak in, in front of their own net all year long. But, you know, again, I guess I understand the, the real frustration by the fans in the sense that you see the goal go over the shoulder last night. You also saw the goal from from Trevor Zegras go over the shoulder a few nights before against Anaheim. So I think at the surface, it's very easy to be frustrated, you know, with, with the goaltending in particular. And I imagine that's why the ire of the fans is coming in uh, more than it ever has today. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, but it is a lot of things. I mean, would you like the goaltending to be sharper, uh, more consistently? Yeah, for sure. But you'd also like to not give up really good chances in the first five minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. You'd also like to score the first goal once in a while, which they've only done 15 times. And then they've gone on to win all those 15 games. But that means there's 36 games where they haven't. And anybody that's followed this game for a, a period of time knows that, well, not the end-all, be-all, scoring the first goal, it most certainly helps. So, it, and it does change the complexion of the game a little bit. And, and unfortunately for the Oilers, it's been a few times, and by a few times, I mean quite a few times, where it's got to 2 nothing, and, and and then now you're really up against it and you've got to press. But, yeah, I, I would say it's, you know, it's a lot of different things. But right now for them, they got to focus on, on Saturday afternoon and, and find a way. I mean, that's a, a Florida team that came into Edmonton on January 20th, a, a game that was scoreless after one, and they were down by a couple after two, but it, the four goals in the last half of the third period made it a 6 nothing game, and that was a real you know, kick in the pants for the team, the fans, for everybody. And just, I don't know, it felt, you know, leaving the rink that night, it just... Felt so bad. And the difference was that Varlamov held them in, uh, or Bobrovsky, not Varlamov, Bobrovsky yeah, held them yeah. in, in, in the first period when Edmonton threw like 17 shots on him, and he was a brick wall. So the difference is that Edmonton always gets goalied. They are not goalying anybody of yeah, late. Yes. <laughs> so it would be nice if they goalied somebody here. That's I, I'm with you. So, yes, they did get goalied that night. They got 40 shots in total and didn't score one time. Uh, so I would say they owe Florida a little something. something. Um, and then I, we'll see how that goes down on, on Saturday, which I guess is Saturday morning for the mountain time zone, early afternoon here. But, yeah, let's, yeah I think it, they'll have a practice tomorrow. Uh, today was day off. They'll have a practice tomorrow. They haven't, they've, you know, since Jay Woodcroft has come in, they've only had two of them. Uh, so another opportunity to, to teach, another opportunity to implement things you want to implement, and and then the opportunity on Saturday to take on Florida. So uh, I am a glass half full guy, as you know. Mm-hmm. So my glass is half full heading towards Saturday. Uh, chatting with Cam Moon for our friends at Brent Ridge Ford. Uh, where was I going to go with you next? So the the new coach bump, I don't know that we really saw that so much as just the team taking care of business in the first few games against teams that they needed to. And then you run into, a, into two of the top 10 teams in the NHL 
well in Minnesota and Tampa, and it's a reality check, and not that they, uh, you know, abandoned the systems or what have you, but this is a good league, of course, so not everybody's going to go 7-0 and with the new coach in tow. Woodcroft, with seven games under his belt now, has done what to sort of amplify this team? What has he done to sort of stamp his name on this group that you've seen, Cam? First and foremost, I think he's done a really good job of you know, putting in, and, and it's been tough to do. Again, not many practices. It was a lot of games. He, they had a, a five-game and seven-day stretch for this road trip. Uh, so it's not like you can change a lot. But they changed a little. And by little, I mean the way the team was defensively structured, not the defense, I mean the entire team, the way they played defensively. They did a much better job, in my estimation, of limiting two-on-ones and three-on-twos. And to me, before Jay had come in, that had really become an issue where you'd be, wow, they gave up a a couple of three-on-twos and a two-on-one that period. You know, maybe they only gave up one goal out of that, but it's still high-stress situations. And the longer you do that, the better chances are that you're going to be losing the game. So I, I think that's been kind of the big thing. You really noticed it in that five-game winning streak where it was the opposition had to go through all five guys. Uh, so it, it, was, it wasn't goals off the rush. It was maybe off the cycle or maybe a shot from the point that's a redirect. But, but less off the rush. So to me, that's been a real positive. Um, the vibe of the team, and, and for whatever reason, I don't know, I'm not in that room, but I would say the vibe around the club has certainly been, uh, has been positive. And the, just the, the players, they, they've been you know, more. And, and as a result, you're going to get – you know, better effort and a, or better execution. And the efforts, for the most part, has been really good. It's just it doesn't always uh, it's not always executed at the at the best, but it has been uh, lately more so. So there's that. Uh, I mean, the last the last two, right? Those are two really good teams, and the team played very well last night. It didn't go their way. That's unfortunate for. You can, and I know a lot of people want to throw the blame on people, but the bottom line, they didn't win the game. Uh, but there were positives to be taken. You can't just uh, look at just the negatives, especially for the coaching staff. You have to look at those to help rectify things. Absolutely. But you also have to look at the positive, too, uh, to get people to play their best, to be at their best. And, and that's what they're looking for on Saturday. But I would say, yeah, overall, uh, Brendan, the, the biggest thing is, Defensively, a better job of of being responsible, uh, of not getting three forwards caught in the offensive zone or or uh, through the neutral zone. They've, they've certainly been on the right side of the puck a lot more. It's made it more difficult for the opposition to to get uh, chances off the rush. Chatting with Oilers play-by-play man Cam Moon right now. He's in Florida getting ready for the Oilers and Panthers Saturday morning and then the Hurricanes Sunday morning. How has the body... You must be adjusted as far as the, the time shift goes. You guys have been there for three days or so now, right? Four? Yeah. Yeah, the travel was Monday. They didn't skate Monday. Left early because it was... It was just under five hours uh, flight from, so I think it was about 4.45, something, 
Edmonton to, to Tampa. So, yeah, they, they didn't skate Monday, had a full practice Tuesday uh, game yesterday, today off, full practice tomorrow. So that's, so, yeah, the matinee yeah. game, the time zone thing, I, I would rule that out as as being a factor yeah. realistically. Hey, you're uh, awfully familiar, maybe more so than any of us, with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, given his junior career. Last night, 700 career NHL games. I made the joke, he hasn't aged since the puck dropped in 2011, but, you, you know, it's just remarkable to think of, of where he's come as an oiler and the rest of his career with this contract now. He, he just didn't embodies a lot of the characteristics I think that make this team sort of what it is. That's funny you said that. That's exactly what I said on the pregame oh, really? last <laughs> night. He looks exactly the same as the day he got drafted. He like, does. He does. Like I don't know if he pays full pop at the movies. Like he could probably <laughs> just wheel right in on a youth yeah. ticket. We like, know he's not getting a deal with Gillette anytime soon. <laughs> No, he isn't. <laughs> oh, but he's, you know, there's, he's been through all sorts of ups and downs in his 700 games with the Oilers. Has handled it all like the true pro that he is. Uh, he's such a good guy. I love that he touches all facets of the game. You can use him on the power play, on the penalty kill. Uh, he's defensively responsible, but a guy that can create things offensively, all those things. Like, he's, there's, not to mention, he's just a really good guy. He's in an Oilers uniform, and quite honestly, like deep down, I'm always cheering for him. So, uh, I love the first 700. Can't wait for the next 700. Final thought from Cam Moon on this looming baseball lockout. Mooner, I know you're a baseball guy. Uh, Just how do you feel about what's going on here? It doesn't look like opening day is all that safe. You know, what's so wrong is we're in Tampa and we were staying really close to a bunch of spring training facilities. You know what? Maybe a guy could have slid over, watched a little or something, but there's nothing happening. Uh, Yeah, they can't get this figured out quick enough for me. Uh, I know, you know, negotiations, it doesn't really get down to it until, you know, one side or both sides have things to lose. So once it gets really close, which I understand might be within the next four or five days where they might have to start uh, canceling games, that might put the screws to to the two sides to make it happen. There has to be a deal in there. There absolutely has to be. There's too much money at stake. Mm-hmm. I, I want baseball to get going. It can't start soon enough. Uh, it, I just want them to figure it out. Like, just, I I don't, like, I know, like, kind of the broad strokes of the issues, but I don't know, you know, the, the intense uh, you know, little details. My new show. And it, like, yeah. just to put it this way, like, have they not already sacrificed enough playing time for reasons that they couldn't control and they're going to do this now? Exactly. Just find a way where, you know, the, the, <laughs> the baseball fans out there, you've over the years, uh, and there's been many a work stoppage that has soured fans. They don't need another one. So just get it done. Please. You heard it here first. Cam, thanks for the time, man. Have a great call or two calls this weekend. Okay, thanks very much. I'd like to say hi to all the guys at Brent Ridge Ford. Love those guys. Absolutely. Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang. Cam. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Moon live from Florida. We're live from chilly Edmonton, Alberta, and we're back in a couple minutes to wrap up Oilers Now. To this day in Oilers history, brought to you by New West Travel. You're looking for a great Oilers road trip? Fly nonstop to see, or uh, I always do that, Nashville. Seattle's been done, Brendan. Nashville, Nash Vegas with Flair Airlines. You watch the Oilers play the Preds for only $1,750. Call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. Back to 1980, the first Oiler to score 100 points in a season. The Oilers would lose that game by a score of 4-2, but the great one had 16 100-point seasons, four 200-point seasons. Let that one sink in. This day in Oilers history brought to you by New As the world news in Eastern Europe, uh, global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson is followed today by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3 and then 6.30 Chad Afternoons with guest host Ted Henley. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Appreciate your input. Follow me on Twitter if you want, at Brendan Escott. We'll continue the conversation. Until then, we'll chat tomorrow. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.